0: Canadian wine, crisps and communication. That's what we're talking about in this episode of Wine Blast with me, Susie Barry, and my husband and fellow master of wine, Peter Richards. And we've even got some prizes to give away in the show today, haven't we?
1: Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Hello and welcome. Everyone, how exciting to be doing something a bit different from our norm, Mm. isn't it? Again, um, (laughs) it all stemmed from our fellow wine expert and podcaster, Natalie McLean, getting in touch and, and suggesting we do a bit of a A podcast swap, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, And we we thought, well, this could be really interesting. So we've been on
0: her show, Unreserved Wine Talk, and now she's coming on to ours. Mm. Uh, We had a great chat, uh, which we'll come on to in a second, about all kinds of things, from how to get into wine as a second career, uh, being a woman in the world of wine, Mm -hmm. um, regrets and challenges, the best Canadian wines to buy, Mm. even, even pairing wine with ketchup Crisps.
1: How, how hard is it to say ketchup crisps? Can you say that 10 <laughs> I find times? It's really okay? hard okay, to say. Ketchup crisps. <laughs> ketchup I have to say crisps. it slowly. I can't do I it. I think even the concept is, 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 I think ketchup especially crisps. for you, it's hard to get your mind
0: around uh, Yeah, ketchup I'm pairing crisps. wine with, well, it's hard to get my mind around ketchup crisps, never mind pairing
1: wine to them. <laughs> so that's exactly where I want to go, yep. of course, you yep. know, areas of sensitivity and all that. Just just to officially confirm that as part of the show, we will be doing a live tasting of crisps and wine.
0: It's your dream episode, isn't it? It really is. I'm thinking, right, okay. I'm thinking nightmare. But, right, You're thinking what a brilliant thing to do.
1: Chris. right here. Um, so let's do it. Let's just let it oh, let, Let's start a, early. You know, um, why not? You know, right from the start. So apologies for all the kind of crispy noises, but I am now going to eat one of these crisps right now. It's, it's my what? opportunity.
0: Do, without any wine, yeah. You're just going to test what?
1: them. we've oh, let's started. <laughs> we'll start save it to later. Mm. Well, oh, I we are going to be finding the best wine to pair with these crisps, aren't we? We
0: are indeed. Mm. We are indeed. It's, it's, it's a bit of a, a move aside from our normal
1: food and wine pairing. not Media. It's
0: not really, That's no. To be honest. Uh, be honest. Uh, but it's
1: a bit of fun, and hopefully, you know, we can inspire everyone else to have um, have some fun with with wines too.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: there we go. And that's anyway, the most delicious start to the show we've ever had. Also
0: later on in the show, we will be tasting and recommending a selection of Canadian wines, uh, as well as giving mm. you a very brief introduction to Canadian wine, which we don't really tend to hear a lot about in this country, do we?
1: No, we don't. So so this is going to um, explore that a little bit, which I think is, is, is fun and really interesting. Um, but before we do start in earnest, uh, I'd like to say thank you to everyone for tuning in and supporting the show. This is now our 38th show, would you believe it? 40 if you include trailers mm-hmm. which we shouldn't really um, but it's not even been a full year since we launched No it was, um, last, um, was it?
0: last May wasn't it? April, May? April April, April. Um,
1: and we've just been flabbergasted by the response and engagement so thank you everyone thank you You're to you are just saying this listening. to get the
0: word flabbergasted in aren't you?
1: Flabbergasted so That's
0: the first time I think we've ever had flabbergasted in It's one of my favourite words actually <laughs>
1: um, Anyway thank you for all your messages, ratings and reviews as well uh, We'll be answering more of your questions in due course um, so if you've sent one in and we haven't forgotten about you don't worry uh, if you haven't sent one in, do. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. That's what this show is all about, really. Um, and if you'd like to leave a rating and review, please do. Uh, it really helps other like-minded people find us and enjoy the Wine Blast action and experience, um, which can only be a good thing.
0: Yeah, so in this episode, we are talking to Natalie McLean. Now, Natalie is a globally renowned wine communicator. She describes herself rather modestly as an enthusiastic amateur. and um, And I suppose... That is true in the true senses of both words. Um, she is a proper wine lover or amateur, mm. and she's also a tremendously enthusiastic champion of wine. The amount of things she does and achieves in her working life is enough to make your head spin, <laughs> even without a glass of wine.
1: Makes me want to have a lie down, to be honest. Then, <laughs> Well, so does everything, doesn't a it? A lot of things do, yeah. It's true. Crisps. <laughs> so, Natalie. No, no, crisps one thing that, actually, that, that doesn't make me. But um, Natalie is based in Canada, and she runs that country's largest wine review website, which is Um So she's at the cutting edge of wine and Canadian wine too, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Uh, she's an award-winning writer and author with two books to her name and just working on a third now, as far as we understand. Um, she writes exhaustively on food and wine pairings. She runs online wine courses and events, um, and her newsletter goes out to about 270,000 Clearly very thirsty people. Uh, not that, <laughs> Maybe but not she, anymore. Uh, well, she somehow finds time and energy to appear regularly on TV, on social media. She does uh, Instagram and Facebook live sessions every Wednesday evening. And she produces her brilliant Unreserved Wine Talk podcast, uh, which we mentioned. Do check that out. She's also very generous
0: because she is giving you, our lovely and lucky listeners, a chance to win some goodies. Uh, Mm. There are three prizes up for grabs. We've got two signed copies of her books. Now those are Red, White and Drunk All Over, A Wine-Soaked Journey from Grape to Glass and Unquenchable, A Tipsy Quest for the World's Best Bargain Wines. They're both selected as Amazon Best Books of the Year. Uh, Also, we've got the chance to win a scholarship to Natalie wine smart course entitled a full-bodied framework to taste pair and buy wine like a pro which would normally cost 400 Canadian dollars or £260. Pounds. So that's a, that's a really amazing, amazing prize.
1: Yeah, those values aren't set in stone because uh, exchange rates can change. But uh, just to give you an idea, it's very generous. Thank you, Natalie. Uh, so to be in a, with a chance of winning one of those fabulous prizes, just head to Natalie's website and sign up for her free food and wine pairing guide uh, at com forward slash wineblast. Uh, good luck, everyone. But now... Let's get on with the interview. Uh, Natalie from Ottawa and me
0: in Hampshire. I started by mentioning that uh, we'd just done a Valentine's podcast and we asked people how and when they first fell in love with wine. So I asked her how she first fell in love with wine.
2: Well, there have been many memorable bottles. Um, I think perhaps the first one was a Brunello that uh, my husband and I tasted at an Italian restaurant. But I also have the memory of this magical... Rhone Valley Syrah. We um, had rented a cabin. Um, That was our version of camping. That's as much as I was going to do (laughs) camping-wise. But um, And this storm was blowing across uh, the lake in front of the cabin. And I just remember like the the windows were rattling and the, the, the rain was hitting the tin roof and it was coming down the fireplace and sizzling in the fire. And then we opened up this roan, this smoky roan, full-bodied uh, wine, and we were drinking it in front of the fireplace, and I thought, it can rain forever. I don't care. And, and the more the wind whipped across the lake and the harder it rained, the more I loved that roan. It just filled all my senses, and, and it was a magical evening. I'll never forget that wine.
0: I think sometimes rhone wines really can be overlooked and, and underestimated but but we'd certainly say yeah the northern rhone um is one of our favorite areas for red wine so that's that was how you sort of that was your kind of moment um now one one of our very first podcasts was how wine can be a career or or a second career what would you say to people who who maybe love wine and are intrigued by it and are just wondering if they could make a career or a second career, like, like you did, out of it?
2: Absolutely. Explore it. Um, I think sometimes folks think, oh, I love this. As a hobby, could I get paid for it? And there are so many possibilities to do that. As you know, Susie, um, you know, you and I and Peter are, uh, have made a living by being writers or commentators or. Um, but there's there's lots of careers out there: tour guides, tasting room personnel, being a winemaker. He, I mean, it's there's lots of possibilities. I think what it comes down to is you have to think. What do I love? What skills do I have? And what do I enjoy? Aside from drinking wine (laughs) Um, and marry those skills up to the skills needed for a particular career, because it's one thing to love wine and it's a great thing, but you also need to ensure that you have the skills that would be a fit for one of the many careers that are in wine. So, so continuing sort of on that theme, um, what, what would you
0: say, given you moved into wine as, as a second career, what, what's been the biggest regret of your career?
2: When I got started, um, before I even jumped into wine, I didn't have the confidence to go to journalism school. I loved writing. That was my passion, you know, as a going through elementary school and, and so on but I just didn't have the confidence to think I could ever get paid to write. And so I didn't go to journalism school. Instead, I got very practical um, and got an MBA. <laughs> uh, we talked about this a little bit on uh, when I interviewed on you folks on my podcast, Susie. I think there are similar notions that as a woman, you feel you need the credential, in your case, a master of wine, in my case, an MBA to always know that I could be financially independent, could get a good job, and so on. So I was raised by a a single mother in Nova Scotia, small town, and uh, she really um, taught me the importance of being financially independent. So I don't regret doing the MBA, but I, I just wished I'd had the confidence to go for that journalism degree as an undergrad. And and um, and
0: on a slightly more positive note,
2: then what what's been your high point? The real real
0: high point for you?
2: Well, I think getting past that mental block as a woman. So, I think sometimes I know personally, and and uh, women friends have told me we often discount ourselves out of a job before we even apply for it. And I know I'm generalizing, but you know when I went off on maternity leave. Um, for the birth of my son about 20 years ago. I, you know, I wasn't writing, but I'd taken a sommelier uh, diploma program. I knew I loved writing from my job. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to take a flyer. I'm going to take a chance and pitch an article about wine on the internet to a local magazine. So instead of like saying, oh no, I could not do that. Maybe it was just maternity brain that (laughs) actually made me take that leap. But I was so glad that I did because that led to my career in writing about wine and and that's why I, you know often when I talk with women take a chance even if you don't have all the credentials or everything lined up just try it and and see where it might lead
0: if you if you never give it give it a go it's never going to happen is it
2: so so before
0: we talk a bit more about you which I Obviously, want to do. Um, I'd love to just ask you about Canada and and Canadian wine. Um, You're you're speaking to us now from from Ottawa in Ontario. Now, Voltaire rather unkindly described Canada as as a few acres of snow, Um, but I'd like to know how you would describe the country and and its wine industry.
2: Sure. Well, I I, Voltaire. um, My hats off to him. He certainly was great in philosophy, but uh, I wouldn't trust him as a travel guide uh, because. (laughs) no one would ever visit us. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So yes, indeed, uh, we do have lots of snow here, but you learn to embrace uh, the weather wherever you are, I think, or else you're just miserable. Um, Personally, I enjoy the great indoors, as I like to tell Miles, my partner. And so rather than being outside skiing and snowshoeing and all the rest of it, I like to have the drinks ready for when everyone comes back from those activities. So I still love where we are. Um, but in terms of the wine industry, that's certainly that cool climate has a profound effect on the type of wines that we produce. And so we, our industry is relatively small, perhaps like uh, the English wine industry. We have about 700 wineries um, right now and we you know, have about thirty-one thousand acres of vines planted. Our major regions are Ontario and BC. This has we, grown yeah. quite a lot recently, hasn't it? Just um it has you know in it the has. last sort of- Thirty years, would you say? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And even in the last five years, the growth has been phenomenal. It seems like every week we hear about a new winery opening in Niagara or the Okanagan. Is that sorry? Is that to do with climate
0: change and just everything? I mean, we know it's a cold country. Goodness me, England is cold. We we know about cold countries. But but do you think that it's having an effect and a positive effect?
2: I think it is. Like, for instance, the 2020 vintage was the hottest ever here. And that's happening in a lot of wine regions. It was hot and it was dry. And so the red wines that we produce struggle to produce here, especially the full-bodied ones like Cabernet, ripened beautifully. And it's going to be a, a banner vintage for big reds. But at the same time, the ice wine harvest, for which we're famous, Drop 30 percent because winemakers decided not to make uh, ice wine um, or it didn't get cold enough at Confluence. Of course, COVID has affected duty free sales in airports. So that's where you buy a lot of your ice wine. But certainly climate change is um, impacting the decisions, not just about, uh, you know, new wineries opening up, but which grapes we're planting and what types of wine we're making here.
0: So, I mean, we, we don't see nearly enough Canadian wine in the, in the UK. Um, but what we do see can be very impressive. Um, what would your tips be on um, on what we and our, our listeners should be looking out for and trying to buy? Well,
2: I think our specialties are Riesling and Pinot Noir. Um, ice wine, of course, is a given. It's what we're known for. Uh, luscious, golden elixir dessert wine. But but Riesling and Pinot Noir thrive, as you know, Susie, in a cool climate. And we do them so well. They have that nervy, edgy acidity, that vibrancy, that, that aliveness in the glass that I think makes them wonderful, either on their own or as food partners. So those are the wines that I would look for.
0: And in terms of Riesling, do they tend to... I, I'm not familiar at all with Canadian Riesling. I'm going to admit that freely. Um Oh, do they tend to be dry or, or semi-sweet or or a mix of the two?
2: Mm-hmm. They tend to be either dry or just slightly off dry. So there aren't a lot of really sweet styles unless you jump all the way to ice wine. Um, so you you'll tend to get uh, yeah fairly fairly dry versions here.
0: So coming back to you, Natalie, um, and your personal experiences, and um, I mean. To be fair, wine and alcohol haven't always been a panacea for you. Um, you mentioned before that your your father was an alcoholic. How do you think that has that experience has shaped your approach to wine?
2: It's had a profound influence. So I grew up in a Scottish East Coast family where wine wasn't even part of the table. It was beer and whiskey, uh, not that I was drinking it as a child, but uh, wine wasn't part of the culture. And so it wasn't until I got into university, even post-university, that I really started to get into wine and appreciate it. And I think um, knowing that, uh, you know, there is an allure to uh, wine beyond all of the sort of heady topics we talk about, the way it intersects with so many fascinating subjects, there's also the pure buzz of it. And so that I, I like to say that's the reason we don't have orange juice critics <laughs> you know there's just there's something magical about wine and the way it ties everything together and the way it it sort of illuminates all of our senses including those that love the buzz and so having a father who was an alcoholic really made me acutely aware of moderation and and so on and i believe now what you know and love and truly understand, you don't abuse. And what I mean by that is, um, if you can gain an appreciation for wine, if you can learn about it, I think you can make your way to moderation through that Appreciation. It's why I teach wine and food pairing classes online as well.
0: I know. I was going. I was going to ask you. That's beautifully put. But um, I was just going to touch a bit further on on your family. Your mother and grandmother were, were teachers, and 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 a big part of what you do is is teaching online, uh, particularly food and wine pairing classes. How has the pandemic changed sort of what you do and how people are engaging with it?
2: The pandemic has, I think, made many of us search for ways that we can use our time at home uh, not just more productively but more enjoyably since we're missing those experiences of going out to restaurants and travel and so on we want to kind of elevate the the food and wine experience as much as we can at home and so what I've noticed is a real uptick on just overall numbers in terms of people enrolling in my my courses but also different people enrolling in them so what I used to get were a lot of people who couldn't commit to that one night a week, a physical course. Maybe it was because they had kids and they needed the flexibility to stay home or go at their own pace. perhaps it was, uh, you know, people who traveled a lot for business, they, you know, I get lots of people checking in from hotel rooms and using the minibar and (laughs) taking my courses that way. But now it's a much wider or broader swath of people who are looking to, to take these courses online. And I think it's because they had to get over the mental hurdle that taking wine classes online is something that can be not only effective, but it can be as or more enjoyable than in-person. There's some things, of course, we can't replace about in-person tasting, but there are so many more things, uh, advantages to online courses, whether it is that flexibility or or the ability to connect with people around the world who share your passion. So I'm getting a lot more of of those people. And then the last group, I would say, I'm getting a lot more of people from the hospitality industry, furloughed or otherwise, who wanna sharpen their pairing skills uh, so that they're better able to earn a living when they do get back to working in restaurants.
0: Now, on on that note, actually, the, the whole food and wine pairing note, I mean, you know, there are people who say it's it's sophistry, it's smoke and mirrors, a load of old rubbish. Um, what What is your response to that?
2: Well, I think they are certainly entitled to their opinions, even if I don't agree with them, um, <laughs> obviously. But I think food is a lot less intimidating than wine. So I think we go into a grocery store and we look at roast chicken and we don't start worrying about, oh, which roast chicken am I going to buy? I mean, where did that chicken grow up? Is that chicken from free range or whatever? I mean, there's perhaps it's because the choices aren't as great as they are in wine. But I think we can bring more people to wine through food first. And that's what I try to do in the courses, but also just on my website, because I think if you know what you love your taste in food, you can start to explore your taste in wine through those flavors that you're confident of when it comes to eating food.
0: If you could recommend just one really easy and fun food and, food and wine combination for our listeners to to try out, what would it be?
2: Well, I, I like to suggest things that are pairings that don't even require cooking because I'm not a cook myself. Um, there are so many different types of cheeses that go so beautifully with wine, and the, the, the combinations are almost infinite, so I would suggest get three of your favorite cheeses, like a creamy cheese, a brie, a cheddar, maybe a blue, whatever it is you like, and maybe crack open a wine or two, depends on how many people are there, and then just mix and match, and you will be amazed at the flavor combinations you'll get. And one tip I always say is, make sure you try the wine first, then go to the food. You can have the wine in your mouth at the same time if you want to. And then afterwards go back to the wine and what happened to the wine? And a lot of you will say, oh my gosh, it's completely changed. You know, it's smoothed out or something happened. And of course we know the wine hasn't changed but your perception of it has changed. And that's magical for a lot of people to discover that.
0: Absolutely. So. What's the weirdest food and wine pairing you've ever had?
2: Okay, I think this is a truly Canadian weird pairing. We have ketchup chips here. I'm not sure if you have ketchup chips in. We have uh, England, ketchup and we oh, have chips. Okay, but don't I'm do not that. Sure you have ketchup <laughs> chips. No, exactly. And okay. also, our chips.
0: I, I'm, I'm referring to sort of something that's potato that's yes. cut and cooked. Because I know that I've had this experience um, abroad before where somebody, somebody said, would you like chips? And I end up with a packet of crisps. Oh, it's crisps. So, yes. You're
2: right. So, okay. Yeah. Different, different uh, interpretation of chips. There you go. So I'm talking about ketchup crisps then. Ah. So crisps or chips are chips that are flavored with ketchup. And I, <laughs> wow. I love, I have a weakness for ketchup chips <laughs> and um, <laughs> it's a you know, it's Achilles heel, but uh, I thought, well, you know, I know that ketchup, uh, commercial ketchup is said to have more sugar than ice cream. So I thought, well, ketchup chips, they're gonna be sweet. They're gonna ruin any dry wine. So, but I thought, oh, well, you know, for the sake of my uh, readers, listeners, core students, I'm going to try different wines. And what I discovered to my surprise is that these ketchup chips went beautifully with a dry rosé. And the ketchup chips weren't as sweet as I thought. And the sort of strawberry berry flavors of the chips went really well with ketchup. Now I don't advise trying to eat, you know, uh, slather ketchup over French fries or crisps for that matter, and a dry (laughs) wine. I think that would be just cruel to your mouth. But this combination worked and it was completely weird and I loved it.
0: I think we're going to have to get Peter's favorite crisps are sweet chilli, which is sort of similar. They've got a sort of a slightly sweet tomatoey flavor to them. Uh, so yes. maybe I'll get him to crack open a bottle of rose and he can try, try those together and see what he thinks.
2: I want to know um, how that goes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so finally, um, I mean, it's not just food that this is on food and wine pairing. It's not just food that you pair with wine, is it? Um, you, you give us a sense of some of the other things that you like to pair with wine.
2: We love to pair wine um, with music, especially while Miles is cooking and I'm pulling corks. Um, And I'll read him bits and pieces of the the latest newspaper or magazine. We love to pair it, of course, with binge-watching Netflix. So we're binge-watching, not binge-drinking. But uh, there's so many shows on it. I think, you know, (laughs) uh, we've spent a lot of time doing that during COVID. But, you know, we love sitting out just in the backyard and and. Watching the sunset—I mean, it is, as cliche as that might sound—I just think wine can infuse so many ordinary activities with some sort of special warmth that I think uh, layers in those memories even more. Like that cabin in the woods, I think there's just something because you're touching on so many more senses—not just the visual of watching the sunset, but you're, you know, you're tasting, you're feeling the wine. It's seeping through your body, and I—I I think that's what makes memories.
0: Now you host, Natalie, your own brilliant podcast. We love it. Uh, Unreserved Wine Talk. Um, Why did you decide to start a podcast? I mean, um, was this a long time ago? I think it probably was, wasn't it?
2: I started near the end of 2018. So it's been almost two years, I guess. Um, But my love of the human voice goes back a lot further back than that. It probably starts with my mother reading to me every night bedtime stories and I'd feel drowsy and all I would hear is her voice. So I was imagining the characters of the book as I got sleepier and sleepier. But then, you know, even as a teenager, um, I would listen to satellite radio and it would sort of blow in and out across the Atlantic. I was listening to the BBC, Susie, and I just loved their reporting and this whole other world they were talking about. And I thought, I'm just you know, imagining it at night because that's when the reception was strongest. So I've always loved the medium, I guess, of the human voice. It's very intimate, as you know, you're millimeters away from someone's brain, your voice. It's like in the dark pillow talk. And so that drew me to it. Um, but I didn't get started until about 2018. I think because I had so many other projects on the go, it was always in the back of my mind. But it, it, the driving force was definitely that love of the voice.
0: And so tell me, now you, now you have your own podcast, tell me something that you, you particularly love and equally perhaps don't like so much about podcasting.
2: I love that it allows me to be nosy. So I'm an introvert and I ask questions on podcasts that I would not ask at a dinner party, even an impolite dinner party. (laughs) So I just wouldn't open up that way. And so I love that it allows me into people's lives in a much more like a deeper, more meaningful connection, the conversations you can have on a podcast are just so beyond, oh, what's the weather and so on, as you know. And I think I'm also making up for lost time because I was such an introvert as a child, spent so many um, hours or years in the corner, not talking at parties uh, that now I'm just, I'm making up for it for sure. Um, in terms of uh, what I have found to be a challenge or don't like about podcasting is we, we're in a very um, technical field, you could say, Susie, in, in that you can get a lot of the facts wrong um, about wine from whatever, the type of oak to whatever. I don't focus on the technical aspects of wine on my podcast um, because I love storytelling and I love to get two people's stories. But that said, there's a minefield of facts you can get wrong. And so what I had to do is get past my own fear of looking stupid or my own fear of what will people think? She's been writing about wine for 20 years and she doesn't know that. And so, you know, I have to retreat into reassure myself that I always will be an enthusiastic amateur and that's the best service I can be for my listener. So lots of my listeners won't know those facts either.
0: And I, I guess though, where you're probably never imperfect is when you're writing your books. Uh, and I just wanted to briefly ask you about that. You've already written two books. You're on your third book now, which is a memoir. How How is it different then from your, your two previous books? And what what can we expect?
2: Well, I it's uh, a memoir is a different type of animal. I've, I've learned in trying to write this one, or as I still progress in writing it, in that of course, it's very personal. The first two books I did write from a first person perspective, they were all stories about gallivanting around the world and meeting odd winemakers and learning about wine through their stories. But now, um, you know, I'm turning the camera on myself. That's what a memoir is. And it's very exposing, <laughs> it can make you feel very vulnerable. But I think um, that's a good challenge to try to understand who you are and why you did what you did. And I think people can still learn lots about wine, but now it's from a much more intimate perspective. And the one thing that I had to learn was almost thinking about it like a movie script. So you have your opening shot or your establishing shot. You have to think in scenes as opposed to just one long exposition of I did this, I did that, like no one wants to read that. (laughs) People want to be engaged almost as though they're watching a movie. So even if they don't know you, they can identify with conflict. Um, You know, during this book, I got divorced. During this book, I suffered from depression. During this book, I had to deal with alcohol consumption. And so those major themes are just human themes, but uh, trying to shape the narrative as scene after scene after scene, as opposed to one long explanation is the challenge.
0: So finally, if you could give one tip to our listeners, what would it be?
2: Well, just keep experimenting. So one of the things that I advise my students to do is when you go into a liquor store, I know it can be intimidating, but just buy a mixed case of wines instead of always trying to find the one perfect wine or the one perfect pairing. So you, and don't be afraid to ask the liquor store staff, say, I like this particular Rhone Syrah, what would you recommend in this price range, in this style? And maybe they'll take you to, who knows, an Argentine Malbec or uh, and, and just broaden your horizons or maybe different, uh, different wineries in the Rhone and just de-risk the whole thing by getting a mixed case and then experiment and, and find some new favourites.
0: Natalie McLean, thank you so much for talking to us.
2: Oh, Susie, this was a pure delight. <laughs> So a couple
0: of things to to pick up on there. Uh, firstly, we should just clarify about our shows we mentioned at the start of the interview. Our Wine as a Career episode was Series 1, Episode 2, and our Valentine's podcast was our last one, uh, Series 2, Episode 8, in case you'd like to listen in if you haven't already. Um but also, I, I thought interesting to hear Natalie encouraging women to have the courage of their convictions in terms of a of a career in wine and to, to just mm. aim high. Mm. I mean, I absolutely agree with that. I really mm. would. Mm. Um, I also I really like her her take on uh, on moderation through appreciation. Yeah. I think that's a really Lovely yeah. way of putting it. It is
1: actually. There's a lovely, lovely turn of phrase, and and, and contains some a very serious truth in there. Um, but on a more light-hearted note, and I can, you know, it's hard to know where to start. There's so much to pick There's up. There's a on. lot to figure out. But on, yeah. um, when when Natalie mentioned the Netflix binge watching, oh wine, yeah. yeah, it definitely did make me think that um, of your suggestion to Wine GB, who'd who'd asked as part of a social media campaign, wasn't it? Um, yeah. For a fun combination of a Netflix show with an English wine. And you suggested um, the Queen's Gambit, mm-hmm. didn't you, with with Coty Chardonnay? Yeah, yeah. Um, I do, mean, you, I, do you want to explain yourself? I
0: think, well, I think I said they both... <laughs> Offer a life affirming story of triumph over adversity. Hey, that sounds like it should be
1: read by a man with a very gravel voice of life's <laughs> story.
0: It was I think it was a bit dramatic, but, but yeah, you know yeah, my yeah. point was my point was that Beth Harmon, uh, the main character in the Queen's Gambit, who everybody'll know if they've if they've seen it, it's a brilliant show by the way, if you yeah. haven't do watch yeah. it. and um, But somehow she manages to kind of overcome uh, loss, mm. addiction, and then a lot of patronising men to become world chess champion. That's um, great, I mean, great amazing. And, and at the same time, what I was trying to say was England is hardly the easiest place to grow great grapes and make mm. world-class wine. But people like Chapel Down are doing it and and I think more important than all of that and my main point was that um, you can enjoy both of these things without being an expert in either chess or wine they're just both very yeah. enjoyable and particularly when you put them together. So there you go. I can't fault Kits your logic. Cody and the Gambit. I see Gambit. what you've done
1: there. There we are. Uh, that's another uh, great, great uh, pairing there. And we, we also, talking about pairing, we did want to pick up very briefly on some more specific um, cheese and wine yeah, pairing I suggestions, mean, is, didn't we? Which we touched on briefly, with mm, Natalie, but we didn't sort of mention this. Make is, specific, well, this is, this so. is something
0: isn't, that we just really love, actually, yeah, don't yeah. we? So we, we couldn't resist actually picking up on it. Um, just to give you a bit more detail, just on our favourites, um, we would suggest trying a really nutty, rich, but savoury white wine. Or a dry Amontillado sherry, I know they sound different, but they they work in a similar way, with a really, really hard, flavoursome cheese. And we personally like aged Gruyere, we love truffle pecorino, and we love Birkswell, which is a used milk cheese from Warwickshire, and it is delicious. Um, Or a good cheddar, yeah, a really good Montgomery's Keen, something like that. But another option would be a very nice fresh goat's cheese with with a great Sauvignon Blanc, which mm, I think classic. is a classic match. Yeah. And then finally, uh, a cre- just a bit of decadence, a creamy, salty, perhaps a little bit runny
1: blue with Canadian ice wine. See, that, that both terrifies me and excites me oh. that much. Uh, lovely, but it, it does. It, it would it would whatever. kill or cure, wouldn't it? <laughs> it? Especially this time of year. It I think it brings us very nicely onto our tasting, doesn't it? Well done, perfect segue <laughs> onto our tasting. But so similar, so similar. Before, so we, do, similar, the before thought. we do the serious tasting, shall we do uh, the crisp bit first?
0: Oh, that's what we meant. So oh, okay. so, so very similar to our our very exciting cheese matching We're going to do crisps and, and yeah, rose. Okay, there we go. So so
1: brilliant. And <laughs> Natalie did suggest a rose, didn't she? Yeah, she did. Um, she did. So we wanted to so, test that out. So um, Natalie
0: suggested rose with ketchup crisps with or ketchup chips, crisp, as she said
1: new, very. Kindly volunteered me. Yeah, uh, it's hardly a hardship. You are the you crisp know, eater in the house. I am fascinated by what works and what doesn't. Yep. So, so, so we've got. got uh, here, fortunately,
0: your, your favourite crisps happened to be Tyrrell's sweet chili crisps yeah, uh, They're not ketchup, but um, maybe ketchup. that's maybe that's for our next trip no. to, so, to uh, Canada. Can we just apologise um, for the crunching noises? Yeah, there's going to be some crunching. Um, but um, this is necessary to the experiment. Yeah. So, so we've we've yeah. got the crisps This is your. This is so exciting for you. Talk through the wines while
1: I try them. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And here we go. So this is
0: Peter's excuse to eat chili crisps while I talk uh, so we've got Provençal Rosé and we've got then a Richer Rosé so the Provençal is the MS Classics number 22 from the Côte de Provence uh, it's the 2019 vintage it's eight pounds from MS. it's a very light dry refreshing summery style of of uh, Provence Rosé I do think to be fair to it it's probably going to be a bit light and dry for the the sweet chili crisps mm. The other one we've got, which which, uh, it, it, which I'm quite excited about in many ways, I'm dying to hear what you say, is a richer one. It's the Miguel Torres Las Mulas mm. Cabernet Sauvignon Rose 2020. It's 9.39 at Waitrose, uh, and that's that's just a much deeper colour, bigger flavour, a little bit riper, or, you know, almost off dry. So, go on. What's the verdict?
1: Well, very interesting. Um, the Provence doesn't really go because it's too light. It's and, a nice wine, isn't it? These, these crisps, are, they pack a punch. You know they, <laughs> they really They've got a lot. They've got sweetness in there. They've got spice. Yeah, yeah. And they're really flavorful. This is not a
0: serious tasting, hon.
1: Let, okay, let's, yeah. let's just All keep right. going. So the sounds a bit light. <laughs> but I tell you what's smashable with this is that, that Torres Las Mulas, the, 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 the richest style of rosé, is yeah. gorgeous. Yeah, oh, yeah. my God. That is brilliant. Thank you, Natalie. So there we go. I am in heaven. I can make my crisp experience. No, I can make my – this is, this, is, this is my moment. Let me shine here. The the richer style of rose with Chris, awesome. Go for it, especially if they're spicy. So that and that last moon is 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 brilliant. Cool. cool. There we go. Cool. but 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 we're not finished because we're
0: not finished.
1: I have just spied another wine here, which I would like to try with this. Okay, so no um, way. This so is... you have
0: now picked up the Pella <laughs> Peller Estates Signature Series Ice yeah, yeah, Cuvée Classic yeah. Envy. So a sparkling. So this is
1: why we're we're, we're going to be coming on It's, it's in our glasses. Twenty six
0: anyway, pounds and ten pence. Yeah. So and I, you're going to put I, it with I chili crisp. Like, I'm interested.
1: I don't know. Go, on, go for it. Go for it. it. go for it. Yeah. Go for it.
0: So we have to say this is this is an off dry style of of Canadian uh, fizz. The the dosage is actually Vidal, which is a great variety. Vidal Ice Wine is in there, so that's given it a, an off dry. Uh, it's made, other than that, from Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. Um, it's about thirty months on the leaves. It, it's it's um it's a, it's a smart
1: wine. Do you know what we've got a winner? No. We have? I mean, no. You have to try this, okay? So, so glass numbers, your glass. Um, um, I've three, got my glass. So I've got my glass. Try it. Okay. I, I hang Let, on me it. Try Let me try the, the
0: ice wine yeah. you yeah. You're going to make me Come try on. sweet I'm, chili crisp. You know not, I'm this not podcast is good I don't for like nothing crisp. Well, it's forcing you to entirely,
1: uh, eat crisp. There we are. No, but this, I mean, because we struggled with we tried this wine, didn't we? And they said pair it with spicy food. We did, and it wasn't, it didn't quite work for us. We tried it as an aperitif, and it's cool. It's something along with stop.
0: Stop. Yes. yes. <laughs> that is hilariously good. It goes, it
1: really goes, does not it? I mean, again, okay, fine. it's that slight sweetness, yeah. but it's just, you know, you can just see yourself sitting it's on it. It's the bubbles just, as well, isn't it? Yeah, gorgeous, evening.
0: gorgeous. So there we have it, the definitive take on what wine to pair with your sweet chilli crisps, <laughs> a rich rosé, thanks Natalie, or if you're feeling flash... Ice cuvée fizz. Ice cuvée fizz. I think Venom are going to get, um, you there's know, just, a, a just a, the, the, um, the the website's going to crash. There's a T-shirt. Everybody's I'm gonna... <laughs> gonna... <I'm> not, <laughs> and,
1: and Equally though, I'm not sure this is the definitive d- d- d-
0: You can't speak, speak now. You're so d- excited, don't you?
1: Verdict. I think I think there's years more research in this. Oh, I mean, and really? I am going to selflessly really? dedicate. It's, it's
0: a life's task. Can we just buy, buy a… So a, a, I think we've made a start. A we've a made a noble. Cheap, we've sweet sweet made a noble
1: start. But, you know, I think we should, this is going to be ongoing reports. So anyway, anyway, um, nice to try an ice cuvee fizz. Absolutely. yeah, um, I had not done before. Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. Uh-huh.
0: Anyway, so if you have got any weird uh, food and wine combos that you're willing to confess to, like Natalie, more us, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, who knows? I, I suppose we could even make it a regular feature yeah. with you having to try out everything um, like
1: a guinea pig. Yeah, I feel yeah? it in, in a way. It's my destiny to be a guinea pig it was always <laughs>
0: anyway anyway wine blast. Boy most back to, to wine blast I think it's perhaps glass. time for a little bit more serious context on Canadian wine before yeah. our tasting okay, what do you think well, fine, fine. Yeah.
1: serious serious so um, as far as we understand Canada's been making wine for more than 200 years mm-hmm. um, and wine growing is more widespread than you may think uh, but really it's con- concentrated in just two areas uh, British Columbia in the far west sort of near Vancouver and then Ontario in the east around the Great Lakes and, and Niagara
0: And yes and as as Natalie said, um, it's, it is still a relatively small uh, industry. The, the modern wine scene only really got going in the 1990s. Mm. And now there's just over 12,000 hectares of vines and around 600 wineries. Now, just to put that into context, New Zealand's about 38,000 hectares, Bordeaux over 110,000 hectares, the UK... Quite small, about three and a half thousand. But the Canadian vineyard is growing all the time, partially driven by the warming temperatures. Mm. Um, Even if, uh, on the other side, flip side of the coin, even if that does pose quite a risk for ice wine, which is Canada's most... I would say iconic style of wine.
1: Yeah, yeah. So so we'll come to that in a second but but um it's perhaps important to note that neither sort of total production nor exports are particularly large, are they? No. So, uh, we don't tend to see a lot of Canadian wine here in the UK, which is what we said. Um that said we have visited, haven't we? Uh, and we know we have. there are uh, plenty of decent wines knocking around, which we wanted to hunt down, so we could pick up uh, on a few of Natalie's uh, tips.
0: Yeah, so we got mm. in touch with a, a retailer called Vinum, spelt V I N V M, which I've just mentioned them in relation to the the Pella Ice Cuvee. Mm. Uh, uh, they're based in Isleworth London, and they have a really good selection of Canadian wines. So they sent us a few over to taste. Very yeah. kindly So if you want to have a look at
1: their website, it's vinvm.co.uk. Yeah, and. Um, yeah, so here, here we are. Let's go. So, so we've already tried the ice cuvee fizz, which we've described. It's, yeah. it's a bit different ice, you know, ice wine is the dosage, so you yeah. get that fizz, but so also a an bit of sweetness. Off
0: dry, one. traditional method fizz made from Chardonnay, and Pinot, yeah. with the Vidal ice wine. I think it, it's sort of twenty six quid.
1: That's really interesting. If you like that sweeter, richer style, it's yeah. a really interesting. Point it, it, of difference: it's,
0: it's finding a place to drink it. Really, you know, yeah. if if you want an off-dry of yeah. really good yeah. fizz, then then it is. Well, but we've, we've well established
1: made. that with Chris, uh, yeah. it, is, it is a winner. <laughs> with your so sweet chili crisp. So on to, keeping up the serious time. Onto yeah. the the next one, which is the a uh, white wine, which is the Bachelor Niagara Chardonnay uh, twenty seventeen. Um, this is about twenty nine pounds, isn't it? And it's yeah. really this really interesting. Interesting Chardonnay. It's quite yeah. understated.
0: It's very understated. It's. Um, it, there is some oak here, but you don't really taste it. You know, it's about 10% new oak uh, for 18 months. It, it, it's made by a, a guy who's very much into Thomas Batchelder, into wild, using wild yeasts, uh, minimal intervention. Really, they, they describe this wine as, unre, as having unrepentant minerality. And um, so it is, it's very, um, it's elegant. It's almost like a good macon. Um, yeah, that's a nice one. I of looking, think actually. it's an easy, yeah. yeah. um, but it's it's, it's not shouty. It's savory, it's not yeah. shouty. Yeah, it's I mean, good. It's good, is, but is, it's, 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 it's expensive. Quite pricey, yeah,
1: um, but it's I think it's a really elegant. Yeah. It shows. It's enjoyable. I, think, I yeah. think some some really good chardonnays coming out of especially from from Niagara and, and Ontario. Yeah, yeah. And I think this is probably I, I'm emblematic not, of that. Yes,
0: I'm not sure they're absolutely there yet, but uh, but I think um, no, I mean, the problem is slightly the price, really. Yeah, but what they
1: do is they're complex, but they're quite understated. Yeah, yeah. So if you like a really nice.
0: Fresh. Elegant, refined style of Chardonnay, mm. then that's what we've yeah.
1: got here. Now, moving on, um, yeah. we were quite excited by the Pinot Noirs, weren't we? And we definitely were, something that we Natalie Pinot was was one of Natalie's tips, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and the first one we got is this Norman Hardy unfiltered Pinot Noir 2016, 16, yeah, uh, from Niagara as well, eleven and a half percent alcohol, interestingly. And we we have known the Norman Hardy wines; something we? we've tasted them with various people in the UK before. Yes. And they've always been one that's caught our eye.
0: Yeah. That the, the, well, the it, it, again? We're talking something very understated. Mm. It's very pale it's earthy there's some strawberry fruit some sappiness it's crunchy yeah. um but it it was just so lovely in the sense that it it, it went with everything we ate mm. you know we tried mm. some duck we had some asian beef uh, and it was it was just beautifully poised was very it? nice
1: way. very nice very nice word
0: so it's not a shouty wine it's not it's, it's not it's not bold it's not yeah. it's not uh, well, yeah, it, it is quite complex. But it's a
1: beautiful expression of Pinot Noir, which is almost you know, so graceful as to be kind of balletic. It, it, yeah. It's almost like, you know, it's, it's so light but it, at the same time it's got a it lovely presence and it's presence, quite insistent yeah. as a start and as you say it goes for a lot of food we've tried so this it is really, yeah, really really it, it was really good lovely. and
0: it was and we tried it over a couple of days and it yeah. was really nice and so it's that's about it's, 30 quid isn't it yeah it, it um, is so you again you know then they're, they're not cheap but yeah. then you know if you were buying an english pinot noir it yeah, would yeah. be about 30 quid yeah. so um yeah. and this is this is very much it's an
1: unfiltered
0: um, it's low sulfur indigenous mm. yeast mm. unfined so it's very much a natural style made by my brother norman hardy now
1: by contrast we've got a very very different style of Pinot Noir but from the other side of the country this is the Mission Hill yeah. uh, Family Estate Reserve Pinot Noir 2018 from the Okanagan Valley this is 13.2% so if
0: we just we just put this into context the first two wines are from right over in the east yeah. in Ontario, Ontario. Yeah. Like the Niagara Peninsula yeah. and then this one right over in the west yeah, in British exactly. Columbia
1: which tends to make it, it's, it's, it's a sort of often bolder wine styles yeah. you often get Cabernet sort of varietals yeah. from here so you, and this is definitely a, a, a bolder style isn't it it um, is although
0: it's still 13.2% alcohol so it's not yeah, it's, it's, it's not, not crazily high exactly. alcohol well, you can't go too
1: far with Pinot can you? now really importantly to say, this is the only wine in the lineup here which is not from Vinum. Uh, this was sent directly from the estate so so thanks to them I'm not sure it's actually um, in
0: this country yet is it it's, not, it's,
1: it's very well said it's coming into this country now this spring with Pubendum in the UK okay um, but it's you know Mission Hill is very famous in in, in, yeah, I mean, you've got to uh, kind of go on BC. their website and see. It's, 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 they it's describe it as the Versailles thing. of the valley. Um, uh, so it's, you know, I think you
0: wrote about it in one of your books. Didn't yeah, you? yeah, I have. And it's,
1: it's a fascinating producer, but they are, you know, they're, they're, they're big kids on campus. Um, and this is a bold style of pinot. Is not yeah, it? It's very it really smoky, it's toasty, smoky, toasty, almost toasty almost sort of ashen. earthy,
0: gamey. Um, but we we really enjoyed it actually. We really have, enjoyed it in a different way. It's quite meaty and flavoursome, and you know, I, I muscular if you like. Yeah, that's a nice um, way it. I think I think it needs food. This one. It's, mm. It suits food a lot better than just drinking it without yeah. because it's just quite a quite a sort of a chunky yeah. big wine, um, but it really nice.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So an, an interesting one there. Uh, look out for that when it comes into the UK market. The next one we've got is Le Vieux Pain Petit Rouge twenty eighteen, which again is from the Okanagan. This again was that had that lovely sort of smoky character, but it's made from different varieties. Isn't yeah,
0: it? so this was a, a move aside to Syrah Merlot and a bit mm. of Cabernet Sauvignon. Um, it's about twenty pounds, twenty one pounds, um, and it it was. It had quite a natural feel to it, it didn't it? it? Yeah. Um, a bit rustic. It was quite firm, um, very firm. Yeah, almost a
1: bit shrill. But then you put it with food, and it really came into its own. Yeah, and
0: we we did decide we would decant this one, didn't we? Because it yes. just felt like it needed a bit mm. of air. Uh, it's fourteen percent, I think, wasn't it? Um, yeah, more or less. Or 13. nearly nearly 7%. fourteen. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it, it's a, it's a, again it's it's a really unusual, bit different.
1: Yeah, it's really different, but we we did like it, didn't we? And, yeah, and something, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's fun. It's really really fun. So definitely want to check out an interesting blend: Syrah, Merlot, Cabernet. Uh, and then finally, 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 oh. now this was do you, this, uh, is, this is what's described I, as saving the best y- to this, last. This was isn't a wine that, that undid you, wasn't it? I think. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Peller. Uh, Riesling, Riesling ice wine, ice wine 2013, which we pulled out of our own cellar. Yeah, this now, this is from um, Venom. Do sell, I think it's a 2017, isn't it? Yeah, uh, at about forty quid, and Fair and Wine cellar also have it about forty five. Yeah. It's a half. That's for the half bottle. So this is so as as cheap. we
0: no, it's not cheap. oh my lord! I mean, we we tried this, didn't we? With um, with a, with a range. Well, we 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 work hard. Don't we a range of desserts. It was such such a, <laughs> a trial. Uh, but no, we we tried it with strawberries, which were just it was too sweet for and um, we tried it with ice cream vanilla ice cream which was again a little bit sweet for but then we tried it with a passion fruit posset I know that sounds funny but we <laughs> we'd happened to make one, made one at the weekend and it was heaven wasn't oh, it my word. Uh, absolute heaven wow. the creaminess but with of the, the posset but also that really tangy passion fruit and this beautiful one is just nectar it's like there are there are elements of truffle in it and honey because it's that bit developed and um, but i did also think that really it would have worked beautifully with something like um a liverterine with um brioche or some blue cheese because almost there's a savoury element to the fact that the same. wine has well, because it's that little bit of age developed. i think this is
1: something we'd definitely say if you've got some good ice wine keep it yeah keep it for a bit because it develops those and, and just know, to, I don't think we explained they, these wines are what ice wine is exactly these yeah. wines are intensely sweet uh, they're made by natural grapes that are naturally frozen on the vines they say Pella say this is picked at uh, you know, minus 10 degrees I think they number. have
0: to be minus 10 degrees um, don't and they and so the,
1: what that does is when you then press that obviously the, the press, the ice is fro- the, the water is frozen so you only get you that get that a tiny like a, a drop say, of juice out what, of each what grape each grape is, is that right? one drop is like I don't know if that's an exaggeration <laughs> maybe a big drop but these, these are so when you say elixir when you say nectar this is you know the the kind of they're very sweet, they got incredible acidity Incredibly, as well. Exactly, so. and that's why I think it goes with something like passion fruit posset, which yeah. is sweet, but you've got that acidity, acidity. as well. So, um, so you w-
0: this was a 2013, you can buy the 2017 yeah. at Venom and at Fairham Wine Cellars. Well, we um, definitely,
1: definitely encourage a bit of a tip if you've yeah. got a really nice sweet wine, especially a nice wine, keep it for a few years if you can, and it will develop those lovely, truffly kind of yeah. savoury notes too. Yeah. Um, then but this was absolutely stunning, and you could argue, I'd have to say, that it. This is a drink to be drunk by itself, you know, yeah. um, slowly, <laughs> and just reflect, <laughs> one drop at reflect a time on the world. It is a beautiful wine. Anyway, I mean, I think to, to, to sort of sum you know, up on Canada, sum up on Canada. Yeah. Obviously a really good range of styles from fizz to, to sweet lots of styles um, cool
0: climate styles very much yes, um, yeah. and we would say you know there's some beautiful wines being made um handcrafted they are quite expensive by the time they get to this country yeah I mean we have
1: tried others that we think were just too expensive a little though, bit too said. expensive so for us, just the pricing for, is an issue yeah maybe as, as as they produce more that 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 price will become change more, more, more I think but I think
0: you know they're never going to produce well maybe they are going to produce loads, but I think equally um you know Probably you just wanted something different to try yeah. and, you know, you're mm. prepared to invest in that. Yeah, yeah.
1: And certainly the ice wine is a speciality. And it's yeah, well, yeah, worth, no, well, well worth, worth buying. These wines do have something to say. So, yeah, I think that's all we've got time for on this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, remember, if you've got any weird or oddball food and wine pairings, uh, we want to hear from you.
0: And don't forget, Natalie is offering you, Lucky Lot, some fantastic prizes of a of signed copies of her books. And the chance to win a scholarship to her Wine Smart course, which would normally cost around 400 Canadian dollars or about £260. All you have to do is head to Natalie's website and sign up for her free food and wine pairing guide at nataliemaclean.com forward slash Wine Blast.
1: Thank you very much to Natalie. Uh, do check out her unreserved wine talk podcast and her website too. Uh, thanks also to Vinum for this week's wines and to Mission Hill.
0: Absolutely. And if you need something fun to do this weekend, don't we all, why not try an ice wine? It may just change your life. Who knows? Until next time, stay safe. Thanks for listening and cheers.